This episode of the Global Franchise Podcast is brought to you by Neighbourly, the leader in home services franchising. Neighbourly is the world's largest home services franchisor with 29 brands and nearly 5,000 franchises, collectively serving more than 10 million customers in nine countries. With opportunities focused on repairing, maintaining and enhancing homes and businesses. Visit franchise.neighbourlybrands.com to learn more about the group's franchise opportunities. Welcome to the Global Franchise Podcast, bringing you exclusive interviews with the industry's leading figures. I'm Kieran McLoon, editor for Global Franchise Magazine. It's all about partners. It's all about people. We are in people business. I think it's, it's, it's important for us to really understand that we are in the people business. Um, either it's our, our, our franchise partners internally, our teams internally, or our business partners. So it's a three-legged stool for us, right? So it's, it's number one is, is the franchise or is the brand. Number two is our business partners. And at number three is our franchise partners. So we all work in tandem with each other. So at the end of the day, if you have the right strategic partners in place, franchise partners in place who are hungry for growth, that sets you for success. When it comes to international fast casual franchises, few have the diversity of German Donner Kebab. As the name would imply, the brand originated in Berlin in 1989, but it is now headquartered in Glasgow, Scotland. As well as a considerable UK footprint, GDK is also present in North America and has plans to launch in Saudi Arabia this year. At the heart of this international growth, you'll find impressive figures that any QSR frontrunner would be envious of. An 81% rise in total sales during the pandemic is certainly a headline to shout about, and GDK is using this momentum to continue its international dominance, with plans to open further American, Canadian, and European sites in the months ahead. To learn more about the brand's growth and strategy, as well as its positioning against the current challenges being faced by the industry, we caught up with Imran Syed, CEO of German Donner Kebab. Imran has been immersed in franchise development for over two decades, making him the perfect source of industry knowledge. Um, I actually came across German Doner Kebab uh, for the first time in Dubai in, uh, I think it was about 2015, I guess. Yeah, 2015. And um, uh, me and my wife were there for, we were were there for a conference uh, and uh, we one night we were strolling uh, down in the JLT area in Dubai, and then we saw this beautiful place. Ended up going there for a late night meal, and we fell in love with the product. We fell in love with the with the restaurant. We fell in love with the with the ambience. And uh, rest was history. And then an opportunity came along. At that time, I was with KFC, and an opportunity came along for me to to hop across and and take uh, the reins of this young growing brand. And um, I met uh, the first time my boss, who's our group chairman, Arthur Server. And uh, rest is history. You know, I had a fabulous uh, interaction with the man. He had the vision. He had the uh, uh, the desire to take the brand, this young brand, globally. And uh, and he gave me the opportunity. I believed in his vision. I believed in what I uh, I wanted to do with a young and upcoming brand. And here I am, fast forward six years with the brand and as the CEO of the company. I started as a CEO, so. 
And uh, no, it certainly seems like you've, um, you know, really taken those reins um, very successfully. You know, the German Doner Kebab has gone from strength to strength. And I wanted to ask you kind of about your your rationale, your explanation behind that success. I mean, what would you attribute to German Doner Kebabs, for example, 81% rise in sales during the pandemic, which was, of course, an incredibly difficult time for many brands. And yet you guys have seemingly, as I said, gone from strength to strength. Um, yeah, a great question, right? So uh, the the pandemic was a was a big challenge, right, for all of us. We we went through a very difficult time, and we lost a lot of loved ones and friends and family members. So when this whole pandemic, uh, we came across March 16 to be exact. That's the date I remember. That was a pivotal moment in our in our business, right? So we had uh, we had to really kind of step back and think you know, think through the process where, you know, how the brand was performing. We were performing extremely well because we were an on-premise business. Um, when, uh, when the pandemic hit us, it, it, was, it was a time that we had to really kind of decide whether we stay open or we, we, we opt to close. I had a long discussions with our franchise partners. How I, how I'm so blessed, so blessed. They're, they're phenomenal partners. And I, I took them in, into confidence. And, and I asked them, hey, this is the perfect opportunity to keep our restaurants open while other brands were closing their doors. Two things were very important for us. One was supporting our communities because, you know, we had somebody had to feed them, right? And, uh, and supporting our, our, our healthcare workers because they were out there front line. So, so we had to pivot the business overnight from an on-premise business to an off-premise business. And, um, and, 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 and again, the support from my boss, uh, for support from the board was there that, hey, listen, you got to do the right thing. Take care of your business. Take care of your family members. Take care of your uh, franchise partners. Take care of your business partners. And that's what we did. We overnight pivoted the business. We created that bubble within our business to make sure that our employees, our franchise partners were safe while trading the business, right? Uh, and I, I, I tell you, I have to uh, recognize and thank uh, my delivery partners, right? Uh, from Uber Eats to Deliveroo to Just Eat. Uh, they, 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 I'm really good friends with these guys. And they were just like there for us and, and we were there for them. So we, we transitioned uh, from an off-premise to off-premise. Uh, we started delivery business uh, very strongly. We, uh, we supported our communities. Um, and uh, rest is history. Uh, we, if you look at the growth factor, we, we had eighty-one uh, percent growth in twenty twenty. Twenty twenty-one, we were about about close to forty-eight, forty-nine percent same store sales growth and transaction growth. But we also one of the things that worked in our favor, uh, Karen, was uh, that you know supporting our NHS. You know, we 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 contributed through uh, Deliveroo almost quarter of a million pounds worth of product almost goes to $300,000, $400,000 worth of product to our NHS uh, partners. We delivered it and we gave it to them uh, free of charge, free of cost. Our franchise partners were there with us. So all in all, I think it was a fantastic uh, journey through very difficult times. Um, I give uh, kudos to my supply chain team. You know, they kept us going. You know, it was very difficult to get the product into the country. The factories were closed. Um, we were struggling with uh, transportation. We were struggling with um, uh, producing our, 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 our products, you know. So it was a big challenge, but, you know, they, they saw our vision. Uh, they, they believed in our, uh, our, our engagement during this pandemic to our communities and, 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 and through our, to our frontline workers. And it worked really, really well. So kudos to all of them. Uh, here we are, fast forward. Uh, we are enjoying same-store sales growth. In 2022, it started with a big bang. We are up almost 59% same-store sales growth uh, this year alone, uh, rolling over some extremely high numbers from 2020 and 2021. 
Yeah, it certainly seems like that um, growth is set to continue. I mean, I saw a recent story about how uh, German Donald Kebab this year has announced to open 78 new UK locations. Um, but internationally, you guys are also growing. You also have, I think I saw 11 North American sites coming, as well as your first restaurant in Saudi Arabia. Um, and my question for you, Imran, off the back of all that growth and development was just, how are you ensuring um, that that growth is sustainable and that you're you know, growing with the right kind of partners for the brand? Yeah, good question. the The plan is that uh, that at the moment we have uh, sold to about close to four hundred plus locations in the United Kingdom alone. So let's talk about United Kingdom for a second. You know, so we have about four hundred plus locations we have already sold in the United Kingdom, out of which uh, we have all the development schedules in place. This year alone, um, and funny enough that I was on a development call earlier today, we anticipate between seventy eight and eighty restaurants opening up. We already have sites in place. We have identified the locations. We are uh, we have mobilized our, our contractors, our design house. So pretty much everything is in the pipeline. So I'm very very um, optimistic and uh, positive that we should be seeing these 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 new restaurants, new builds coming up uh, within the United Kingdom across uh, uh, England, Scotland, Wales, uh, and Northern Ireland. Now, internationally, yes, you're right. Uh, internationally, we have um, 11 um, uh, new belts coming up in the United States alone. Uh, we launched the United States last year. Um, uh, our flagship location is an American Dream Mall right outside uh, of New York, right on the border of New York and New Jersey, an American Dream Mall, largest mall in America. Um, we are launching um, a site in Houston, Texas. Um, we are looking at New Jersey, uh, Virginia, uh, Chicago, and some other markets. Also, Canada is coming up with some development plans. So we have some strategic development that's coming up in the U.S. And as you rightly said, we have uh, we have development coming in Saudi. I think the first one, first location is going to probably open right um, uh, after Ramadan. I think that's where we are looking at uh, to open uh, the first location right on the Eid. And then your question was, how are you ensuring that the rapid growth is sustainable and, um, and, and the right kind of partners are involved? Um, it's all about partners. It's all about people. We are in people business. I think it's, it's, it's important for us to really understand that we are in the people business. Um, either it's our, our, our franchise partners internally, our teams internally, or our business partners. So it's a three-legged stool for us, right? So it's, it's number one is, is the franchise or is the brand. Number two is our business partners. And at number three is our franchise partners. So we all work in tandem with each other. So um, at the end of the day, if you have the right strategic partners in place, franchise partners in place who are hungry for growth, hungry for expansion, hungry for um, opening more restaurants, profitable restaurants, um, then that's number one thing that that sets you for success. The other thing, the second thing is for 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 us when it uh, when you look at uh, uh, from a global from a global perspective, uh, supply chain is the critical uh, component of this thing. Today, as you all know, as we all know, supply chain is a big nightmare, right? From countries to countries, we are struggling. First was Brexit, then second it was uh, Suez Canal, and the third was now pandemic. So we are struggling. The cost of doing business, when you look at uh, from supply chain vertical. Um, the costs have gone up at between 25 and 30 percent, and 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 again, you know, that's the nature of the business. The good thing is that we have strong strategic uh, business partners, i.e., uh, our suppliers, distributors, manufacturers. You know, they're all in place. Uh, they have seen the vision of the brand. They have seen how exponentially we have grown the business over the years, 
And the the they feel committed. They are committed with the brand, with the leadership of the brand, with our franchise partners of the brand. So the second critical component is 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 for our success is is or or for our development or for growth is is going to be supply chain. So it works both in tandem with with right, having the right franchise partners who are really um, hungry for growth and who wants to expand and grow their business, not just necessarily within the boundaries of the United Kingdom, but but elsewhere where we trade, but also at the same time having a supply chain in place is extremely critical. Yeah, that point about, um, you know, it's all about the people, it's all about the partners is something that we've heard echoed with a lot of business leaders like yourself lately, Imran. I think especially moving forward in 2022, where empathy and those relationships being built are, you know, vital um, for the success of a brand. And that kind of transitions quite nicely into the the next question I had for you, which is just about, um, based on your experience within the industry, we've touched on that as well as German Don Kebab, you've worked with organizations like KFC and Pizza Hut. Um what would you say have been some of the key lessons you've learned when it comes to successful international expansion, whether that's um, those relationship building skills or just lessons in leadership? What would you say are some of the main things that have contributed towards the position you find yourself in now? Yeah, I think from an international perspective, you know, as I said to you, you have to have the right uh, right franchise partner, um, especially when you're going to some 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 new geographies, right, to new countries. Um, uh, what we look for our franchise partners, especially from an international perspective, uh, they understand the landscape, they understand the geography, they understand their, their domain, they understand their, their reality on the ground. Going into a country, it's extremely challenging sometimes, you know, the unit economics, you know, what, what, what they work with its, with its supply chain. We have some issues right now at hand in certain countries. We can't enter. The prohibitions are like taxation, the tariffs, the duties on importation. Um, the issues that, that, that we see in some, some countries are very strict on, on, uh, on importing processed meats from across the globe. So those are certain things that we kind of preempt before going into certain markets and, and, and try to make sure that, you know, we, we preempt it out. And if, if it makes perfect sense, if the unit economics work, uh, uh, if the market is ready for, for this kind of product, then, then we kind of enter those markets and kind of scale the business up with the, with the help of our franchise partners there. And most of the international markets are are, are, are a master franchise. So we, we will look at people or, or the groups who are um, who are um, you know subject matter experts in, in food vertical like F and B, um, you know retail side. They understand the landscape. They understand exactly how the dynamics of the business work. Um, so it becomes otherwise you, you go to uh, to uh, certain groups that they don't understand the space. They don't understand the vertical, but they are very hungry for the brand. It becomes very difficult for the brand to operate in certain countries when they don't understand and relate to the complexities of the business. So that's how that's how uh, we are very uh, very mindful. We are cognizant of this fact that hey, listen, let's let's play smartly. We have queries from Asia Pacific right now. We are evaluating the whole Asia Pacific model right now. We are looking at their brands. There are groups that are very, uh, very interested in, in joining us and taking the brand in Asia Pacific. Uh, are we ready there? I don't think so because there's a lot of, you know, there are a lot of checks and balances that need to be done. That lots of due diligence needs to happen. So we are in the process. We have teams on the ground. Uh, we have team and uh, we have a team out there in in, in, in Shanghai. Uh, we have the same. We have teams in uh, U.S. Canada who's who's helping us grow here locally uh, in the U.K. and as well as in Europe. So so opportunities are there. It's just you know, cap- capitalizing on the right opportunities at the right time. Um, you know, when you're looking at expanding internationally, adaptation and the ways, as particularly with QSR, I feel compared to the likes of fitness and things, the ways in which you maybe adapt your offering to the local market can be pretty significant as, as to whether a brand succeeds or fails. Um, 
how would you say, you know, how important is adaptation when penetrating those new markets compared to, um, for example, keeping a sense of brand identity and consistency? How do you balance that when you're looking at going into um, those untapped regions? One thing that you probably, we all know, all of us know that uh, either you are eating a hamburger with a brick chain in US or in London or in, um, in, in Dubai or elsewhere, the product is consistent across, you know, uh, either you're eating pizza or either you're talking about fried chicken. They're very consistent when you, when you, when you, play, when you, when you look at the uh, global players. Similarly, what we do is we, we make sure that our product is quite consistent across our bandwidth, right? Either we are trading in, in the U.S. or Canada or U.K. So our product, our menu offerings are quite consistent and, and, and we adapt to, we are flexible. We are a brand flexible brand that we adapt um, in, in, in those arenas where there are certain tweaks uh, need to be made to other menu offerings or other, other layout of the design of the restaurants or, or structure it. Uh, I give an example. We recently launched in Canada, as you know, Canada uh, mostly it's, it's it, it, you know French is widely spoken in France, and, and there's a there's a French culture there within that country. Uh, we just launched a poutine there in Canada. Poutine is not on our menu, right? In uh, uh, at the moment here uh, in the, in in our global business, but since there was a demand and there was a local favorite, we added poutine to our uh, to our menus. Our core offerings are quite consistent across our, our across our landscape. So either you are eating our our donor sandwich in in London, um, or or you're eating a donor sandwich in New York, or in Dubai you will find product consistent or even in Sweden, we trade in Sweden and, and we've been successful in Sweden as well. So you will find consistencies across, but there are certain products that, that are localized based on local requirements. We try to kind of adapt and support those local initiatives, but in general consistencies and, 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 and brand uh, uh, identity is kept and it's not, I would say it's not distracted or, or it's not uh, disturbed. Yeah, no, that makes a lot of sense because ultimately, as you say, you do need to have a sense of um, consistency so that people understand what they're getting when they go to German Donner Kebab, whether maybe they're from the UK and flying to the States and come across one of your locations or vice versa. Um, something I wanted to talk with you about, Imran, uh, is obviously, as we've said, German Donner Kebab is an international franchise, but your your primary footprint, I hope you don't mind me saying at the moment, is in the UK. You're, you have the most locations in the UK and it's kind of your base. Um and a big kind of conversational topic uh, in the QSR space in the States at the moment is, of course, the labor crisis and the great resignation and all the things associated with that. Um, would you say that the labor crisis is as severe here in the UK uh, as it currently appears in the States? Um, and if so, how are you kind of working to, to navigate that and kind of move past that as the year um, continues? I don't know. I agree with the word crisis. I think I think it's an opportunity, right? I, you know, labor is always an opportunity finding the right labor and light talent. Uh, look, as a brand, we are opening. We currently have about close to three thousand people working for us uh, across our restaurants, and and they're look uh, just in UK alone by itself. And the talent is out there. So all you have to do is the right place and look for the right talent and make sure that you bring them on board. I firmly believe, and I had a lot of discussions with my franchise partners, and, and they feel quite comfortable that they don't see any issue in recruitment here in the United Kingdom. And, um, and it's fair to say that, that they are opening restaurants and they're, they're right now their teams are in training. So I have not seen any pinch as so to speak, uh, with regards to the labor crisis that you mentioned. I, I think it's an opportunity. I think we are opening more doors for employment within the UK. I think we are one of the uh, possibly one of the fastest growing brand, not just necessarily in the UK and in, in continental Europe. And the employment within the GDK is like people are now taking pride. People are now excited about it. It's like, you know, GDK is, is making splash. People want to come and work for GDK. 
Uh, and and that is something where it makes me makes me feel proud. I think this is something that you know when you're young, you're you're you when you're getting out of high school or or are you getting into a, a part time job. You know, I want to go and work for GDK, and that's very motivating for me. And and that's the reason we are tapping into very young talent. We have we have good pool of people who are coming and asking for employment. So in general, if you're asking me, there are crises as a brand. I've not seen any. Um, I don't foresee that that crises are uh, coming or it's on the horizon that we may encounter. Uh, but yeah, it's just look at the right talent and employ. And, and, and again, the people are out there, people looking for jobs. Let's support them. Let's help them out. And and that's a, uh, and I think that's a, that's a that's a that's a beauty of this country is like you know there's talent there. There the people that they want to work, they want to be part of the economy. And we as an organization, we are helping the economy grow faster, and 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 and, and give employment to people. Yeah, no, that's a, a much um, much more optimistic view of the whole sort of situation that I think we've had from some of our guests recently, which is really great to hear. And I'll I'll admit that firsthand, I think, you know, near where um, I'm based in Essex at the moment, we recently had a German Donner Kebab open, and it does seem to be, you know, a very, it's kind of generated a lot of excitement, perhaps more so than the other um, QSR outlets that exist within the the, um, the town at the moment. So yeah, firsthand, can't say you're wrong there. Um, my final question for you, Ran is um, kind of, I guess, the the golden question that everyone's thinking about at the moment, which is just, what do you think is the number one trend within the industry that will dictate the success or failure of a fast casual brand in 2022? What's kind of really crucial this year that brands get right? Brands are all about people, right? Hiring the right people, getting the right people on board, giving them the right resources and training and and, uh, adapting and nurturing the talent is the key. We are in people business. People work for people. People don't work for the brands. You, if you, if I ask you, Karen, you, uh, you probably remember your mentor. You probably remember your coach or, or somebody who really have given you guidance over the years. Same exactly in our business. We have people who are really. Uh, we are in people business, as I said. Like we have people who, who makes this organization succeed. So that's number one. I think that's important for us to understand. Either it's internal people, internal customers with our people, internal staff that we hire and recruit. And then the second thing is our franchise partners bring the right uh, quality of franchise partners on board who are, again, who, who understands the space, who wants to drive the business forward and uh, take the brand to the next level. So that's number one. But that can become a challenge if we don't have the right people with the right frame of mind. They, they, they struggle and they struggle big time. We've seen this over the years. The second thing is that, like, if you if you talk about you know challenges or if you talk about uh, success or failures, I think diversifying the business, looking at launching of new products, innovation, NPD, certain things that they, they can they can differentiate the brand from you know from succeeding or failing. If the brand becomes very complacent, if the brand becomes like you know relaxed, they're not agile as they used to be. That's a that's a recipe for disaster. That's a recipe for failure. So again, people, innovation, uh, diversification, uh, NPD, many factors can can allude to the success of the entity or, or the failure of the organization. Absolutely, yeah. It seems like it is a much more um, you know complex thing to look at failure and success rather than uh, making it a black and white issue like that. Well, um, thank you very much for your time today, Imran. It's been really great catching up with you and uh, looking forward to seeing what's next from German Donner Kebab as we move forward this year. Thank you very much. Uh, it was an absolute pleasure talking and hopefully we'll see each other soon. Imran reiterated a sentiment that we've heard from franchisors of all kinds as of late, in that this industry is ultimately all about the people. People don't necessarily work for brands, they work for good managers and with great colleagues. 
And if a franchise can perfect that level of interpersonal relationship building, then it can overcome the challenges that the industry is facing with regards to staffing. It was also interesting to hear Imran's thoughts on menu adaptation. He very much seemed in favour of keeping a menu offering identical around the world, but wasn't opposed to introducing a certain level of regional distinction where necessary. For example, with GDK's poutine in its French-Canadian market. We'd be keen to hear your thoughts on this. What level of adaptation do you think is suitable for a brand, and do you think it varies depending on specific industries? Make sure to let us know. If you like the podcast, subscribe and recommend it to your friends and colleagues. Or even better, leave a review or a simple rating on Apple Podcasts or wherever you find your pods. To keep up to date with franchise news and have it put into context by the global franchise experts, subscribe to the magazine, hit us up at globalfranchisemagazine.com and follow us on Twitter, Facebook and LinkedIn today.